Thank you, Colleen. Such a great story. If you're giving anything else, I'll receive it. You know, if you have any money left over, just so good. Um, man, wasn't worship just powerful? So great. You know, and, it, and let me just tell you, it's not about the instruments and the beautiful vocals, although they were awesome, Stephen, but when the presence of God inhabits the worship, it's just, it's just, I, it's just such a great, amazing experience. And I feel like, you know, we get the best side of it. You know, it's like we're lifting up Jesus. We're praising and celebrating his name and he infuses us with his presence and his presence just tastes so good. It's just nothing like his presence. And I love his presence. I say his presence is presence for us. And, um, you know, we, we had a fun time. If you uh, were able to make it out to uh, Pastor Allen and Pastor Gail's, uh, not a retirement party, a transition and celebration party of what God's doing in their next season of life. Uh, he is not done ministering. They are not done ministering. Um, when you're in the ministry for Jesus, you, you don't retire. You just you end up dying eventually, you know, because you just don't stop. Um, why, why stop? Why stop sharing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ? It's, it should be everything we all do all the time. And, uh, and so they're doing that. And uh, Emily and Seiji uh, wonderfully, as, along with their brother Anthony and some of the staff, uh, some of the members of our congregation, Sean, I'm going to miss people now. Tons of people, lots of people who contributed to a successful night for, for them. And they were so blessed and so thank you guys for, for doing all that. And thank you. So, yeah. And Pastor Allen and Pastor Gail, we're here during worship. I think they're helping out with some grands, some grandkids, but that's great. I love seeing them. I just want to clarify as well, this is their home. It'll never not be their home. And so when they're not ministering in their home and they want to come, we love them being here. Um, he's asked us not to make him do stuff. You know, so he can rest while he's here. But it's tempting, you know, it's just tempting. And we, we want to continue our theme of coming to Jesus. Um, we've, we've been doing this all summer long. In the fall, we'll switch to a new theme that I feel like God is leading us to. But uh, coming to Jesus has been an interesting theme. You know, sometimes you think, wow, what else can you say about coming to Jesus? Should just be like one message. Hey, Matthew Clark. Sorry, we have a visitor, Matthew Clark, here with us from Las Cruces area. Good enough? Okay. Good to see you, bud. Um, and coming to Jesus is so much more, um, there's so much more depth to it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such an important step in our relationship with Christ. You know, some of us might just uh, uh, simmer it down to, you know, uh, I came to Jesus because I, I said the sinner's prayer. I, I confess my sins. I've asked him into my heart and I believe that he's my Lord and Savior. And yes, that is a coming to Jesus moment. But do we know him? Some of us know about him. We've studied him. I mean, I've, I've been with uh, students in, in, in university and, and seminary, and, and, and it's true. Sometimes they, they correctly call it cemetery. It's like they go with fire and passion and zeal, dedicating their whole life to God, and then they come out and they're like, they're like toast. 
They've kind of been talked out of the Bible or maybe talked out of what God was doing in their life. And, 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 and it's like they've lost their connection with the bread of life, the giver of life, the one who gave them life from the beginning. This is the God we serve. And we miss that first step. And you think, well, it's just one step. I read my Bible. I've, I've you know, sometimes I listen to worship music in the car. I have K-Love on. I got my Christian t-shirt. Sometimes I'll wear that. People know I'm a Christian. But when you miss the step, it's, it's tragic. Have you ever gone down a flight of stairs and you miss the first step? It messes you up. It doesn't end well. If you are athletic enough to get your feet under you, you still look like a fool. Because that first step is so crucial. Man, I'll look back in some of the days that I've had, even recently, I'm like, what went wrong? I was behaving like someone I wasn't. I was, I was not demonstrating the love of Jesus like I should. What went wrong? Ah, I missed the first step. I didn't come to Jesus. I went to myself. I went to something else or someone else. See, Jesus is actually the first step of every moment. Jesus is not your supplement. He's your main course. Too often we kind of, we, we incorporate Jesus as our supplement and we, and we find ourselves atrophied and not actually having enough when really all we need is make him the main portion of our life. It has to be. It has to be. If he's not the main thing, you won't be able to fulfill your life, your calling, everything God wants to do in you. Some of you might say, Paul, isn't this too extreme? Aren't you just a little too radical? I mean, come on, we're in church. We're Christians. We love, you know, we're the, you know, we wouldn't be in church unless we were with Jesus. Yes, you would. I've been in too many churches. You know, in, in, this, in, in, in uh, the Catholic Church, they had something called the Second Vatican Council, and they, they decided that actually, I believe, oh man, what year was that? I can't remember. But they decided that they needed to re-evangelize the Catholic Church. They estimated that there could be as much as 80% of people who need salvation in the Catholic Church. Because they went through all the rituals, the routines, the CCD, the Bible study, but they didn't know him. And I'm like, well, I've been to many churches where I think sometimes 80%, they're in the routine of church. You know, it's like the first generation of those families, those Christians, man, they were on fire. They knew him. It was, it was like you, could, you couldn't talk to them without them slipping Jesus in there. They were crazy. They were radical. They were, you know, my grandparents' generation, when, when they would go to a revival meeting and someone got healed and the whole family got saved. Or someone came to a revival meeting and there was a prophecy and, 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 and grandma or grandpa uh, got radically touched by God and they got saved and the whole family got saved. This is actually how most of the church grew. Was there was an encounter from mom and dad and without a shadow of a doubt, they knew that Jesus was real. They had some conviction. They came with alcoholism and they, they came to an altar and God showed up and it broke the bondage 
of that addiction. And the whole family said, oh, that's not, that's not dad anymore. That's not grandpa. Wow, this Jesus, he's real. And then those families have kids. And then those families have kids. And we're two, three, four generations away of people showing up to church, but they haven't had the significant experience of meeting Jesus face to face and continuing that lifestyle. And so sometimes around the church, we have many people sitting in pews and they forgot even why. Like, why are we here? Yes, to celebrate Jesus. Yes, to lift up his name corporately as a church. Yes, to come together and congregate in fellowship. Yes, those are all amazing things, but we're here for him. And we're here to keep that connection throughout the whole entire week. Why? Because his step is the first step is coming to him. This is throughout all the gospel, including Genesis. I mean, when, when God would come to meet with man in the garden and when man sinned, he's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? I've come to meet with you. Aren't you coming to meet with me? This wasn't like God created the world and sat, and, and sat on his throne and said he rested. Like he went back up to heaven and was like, okay, good luck, guys. Staying in heaven now. Actually, if you look at the passage, it says, in it or on it, he rested. Which really to the ancient Near Eastern people around Judaism, they, they all knew that they would build, like every pagan religion, build temples that their gods would rest in. But you see, our Judeo-Christian heritage, our Judeo-Christian God, he built the temple and rested in it. Apostle Paul wrote, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He has made us to commune with him, to come to him. This is from the beginning to the end of the story. Look, a lot of us read our Bibles and we think the Bible is about us. And there is some truth to it, but the reality is the main character, we're just a side, the main character is Jesus. The main character is God. And we come along for the ride. It's a love story of heaven meeting earth and heaven dwelling among us so that we could live the fullness of what God's provided for us. I remember the first time I came to Jesus. We're going to come into our scripture text in just a moment, but I'm setting us up. We, I remember the first moment I came to Jesus. Um, I remember, you know, growing up in church, I remember my parents, they were Catholic charismatics. Uh, they, by their own testimony, they got saved in the Catholic charismatic renewal. How many have ever heard of the Catholic charismatic renewal? It was where the Holy Spirit was moving amongst the Catholics and they were becoming born again. Like they knew about God, but now they were having this intimate relationship with him in the fullness of the spirit. And, uh, and then uh, they went into, uh, uh, the, that started to kind of simmer out where they were. And so they found these Italian Pentecostals. See, when you're Italian, you're kind of like born Catholic. They pop you out Catholic. Maybe in some of your cultures, it's the same way. And so um, uh, they got saved and, and, and then they found these Pentecostals. Most of them were Italians who came out of the Catholic church. And so they started a spirit-filled Pentecostal church and my parents started going there. And so I was the son who was young and, and, and my, see, my mom didn't want to go uh, to the to. She wanted to live in both worlds, and so she would moonlight. She was Saturday night Catholic church, Sunday morning Pentecostal church. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so my dad finally put his foot down and said, we're going to be fully in this other church. It was a Calvary Full Gospel Church, a wonderful church. And, uh, and so they said, when Paul has his Holy Communion, my mom was like, just let him get his Holy Communion. And, I, and so I, th- at that stage, I don't know why they made it that way, but that's, that's when we went. And actually, uh, my parents didn't give me a middle name when I was born because they were Catholic. And they said, well, when he gets confirmed, you pick a confirmation name. And, he's, and they're like, we'll make that his legal middle name. Well, I never got confirmed. So I'm just Paul. I have no middle name. There's a space every time. People are like, your middle name? I don't have one. So I grew up in this, and we would hear the stories of our grandparents' generation encountering God, our parents' generation encountering God, but it was so crucial for our generation to encounter the real living Jesus. Not just hear about it, but have the whole experience. I remember my brother, he's six years older than me, Anthony, he was... um, praising and worshiping in high school uh, youth group. And I was in middle school and they had those, they do worship together. And I remember standing in the back, seeing my brother raise his hands and I was kind of criticizing him, you know, cause he's my brother. What, a, what are you doing, buddy? What's up there? What's this do? You look foolish. Just sitting in the back watching him. And then I saw his passion and forever I saw him getting touched and I started, my criticism turned into jealousy. See, when we come to Jesus, sometimes we come and we give him a foot. We give him part of ourselves. We don't have the holy exchange of all of us for all of him. And so I remember getting so jealous that I said, okay, God, I'll lift my hands. Now it sounds so silly lifting your hands. Like, what's that do? I was like, am I going to get electrocuted? What happens up there? Is there a different frequency? What's, what's going on? But as I did that, it was like this surrendering vulnerability to God. And it's like, as soon as, again, it's not just this motion. It's an actward It's an outward act of an inward happening. And I did this and I said, okay, God, all of me, I'll give you all of me. And it was like, all of him. What a beautiful exchange. Throughout scripture, he says, come to us. Let's go to our text today. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will, see, it's all in capitals. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we come to Jesus, it is not this partial happening. If it is, it ends up being tragedy, okay? Because when we come to Jesus, we are yoked with him. 
You're locked and loaded with him. Have you ever seen a yoke? See that kind of yoke thing? There's that triangle thing. That's like an old school picture. Thank you, Stephen, for doing that. But there's different forms in farming where there would be two oxes who would, uh, oxen that would uh, get yoked together and they would pull the plow and they would have to walk step by step in step with each other so that it would be done easily. And Jesus was, is, his yoke is so light, it's like an easy carrying. But if you don't walk in step with Jesus, it's painful. We just got gifted a puppy. It's beautiful. And uh, I was like, I have, four, I have four little children. How hard's a puppy? right? Um, this puppy's so young. I, I put a leash on it. It had no idea what I was doing. Have you ever tried to walk a dog and they don't want to walk and you just drag them? I like you. They're lay, they just lay on their side and you're just drag. Like, come on, buddy. You got to come. It's come on. You can do it. You know, it's like, Sometimes our experience with this relationship that Jesus wants to walk with us, it's like, yep, Jesus, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all of me. And he, we're locked in and we're like, this is painful. You said it was going to be easy. It doesn't work unless we're connected with him, yoked with him. Jesus, the context that he was saying this in uh, biblically It was during the time that Israel was being oppressed. First of all, Israel has a lot of uh, Jewish uh, religion, Jewish laws. You know, there was laws and rituals that they had to keep by, as well as giving to the temple and the tabernacle. And so there's there's all this pressure on their own society. Then they're overtaken by Rome and oppressed by the Romans with heavy heavy taxation. And Jesus is speaking to a people that really don't have a lot of hope. They're not sure how they're actually going to get out of this mess. Rome was this absolute elite army. They were very violent and oppressive. And there was this kind of mutual exchange where they, the Jewish leader said, look, let's keep our people in check. If we keep our people in check and pay your taxes and Rome's like, okay, that's cool. As long as everyone knows that they're under the Roman oppression, the Roman authority. These are the people that Jesus is speaking to. And he says, come to me, come to me who are heavy burdened, heavy laden. I don't know if you've ever been heavy burdened, but I've been, I've had things where I've just so much pressure, I didn't know my way out. I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess, God. Could be financial, could be relational, could be career-wise. And you're like, God, I don't know. This, this doesn't even make sense to me. I don't even know what I'm going to do. It's so funny how Jesus actually wasn't talking about freeing them from Roman oppression. Isn't that interesting? That is what they needed. You know, oftentimes we think the answer we need is right in front of it. It's like so obvious, but Jesus' answers are so out of the box. They're so above the level. Last week we talked about Jesus when he was dealing with the woman caught in adultery and everyone wanting to stone her. Instead of answering one of their answers, which they wanted, he changed his posture. He changed his position 
He was pulling from a different set of answers than what they were pulling from. And sometimes we need to change our level to see what God wants to do in a situation. Jesus was partnering with what the Lord was doing in that situation, and he gave the answer that none of them would have ever expected. He who is without sin, throw the first stone. Didn't answer any of their answers, but it was the right answer. Go and sin no more. Sometimes when we're so heavy laden, and heavy burdened, and we don't even know our way out, Jesus wasn't saying, Come to me, I will arm you and equip you and we will fight off this Roman oppression. That's, a, that's what a lot of them wanted from Jesus. That's what a lot of them thought about him being the Messiah, about him saving them, was that he would kind of rally the troops and he would get every oppressive thing off of them. No, Jesus saying, invite me into your situation. Come to me and the outside circumstance are gonna change through an inward happening. All right, you guys okay? You guys are so quiet. You're charismatic, right? Maybe, some of you. Sinking in, yeah. All right, Matthew eleven twenty. 20, let's continue. Um, oh, Matthew eleven twenty. 20. If we look before the... Um, the context that he was saying in them, because we read 11.28 through 30. 11.20, he started the whole, the whole scene by denouncing the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Jesus was going through cities doing signs, wonders, miracles. People loved him. He's like, you healed, you get a healing, you get a healing, you get a healing. I mean, he was phenomenal. I mean, there wasn't a funeral that Jesus went to that he didn't ruin. I mean, that's who he was, and, and still they didn't believe, and he said, woe to you. Why? Because you didn't repent. And he's trying to say, you need to come to me. What is this repentance? This repentance in its original Greek is metanoia. Metanoia means to change the way you think. Repentance is coming to Jesus and, and, and confessing your sins and, and doing all these things, but it's actually having an action to it. It's actually going, you know, and my, my, uh, my spiritual father, Dr. Randy Clark, he, he, he does this so well, and I'm going to copy him, but we often think repentance is going this way, and you uh, turn around, you repent, and go this way. But actually, that's not repentance. It's almost repentance. Literally, this is what literal repentance is. It's going this way. You think this is the right way, even though it's the wrong way. Like when my wife tries to tell me I'm going the wrong way, and I'm like, no, it's pretty, it's right. I think we're right. But anyway, we think we're going the right way. It is the wrong way, but we think it's the right way. And then all of a sudden you have this aha moment. Oh my goodness, this is the wrong way. That's the right way. That's repentance. This is the fruit of repentance. And when we truly repent, we change the way we think, and the fruit of the way we think has action that changes to it. All right. John 7, 37, 7, 38. Jesus continues this theme. 
Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, man, you guys are good with that projector. It was quick. I'm happy about that. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being, some translations will say bellies, will flow rivers of living water. This is so amazing. I love that Jesus said this. In the context that he said this, come to me, those who are thirsty, come to me. Those who, who need to quench their thirst, come to me. Those who are still not satisfied, you've tried every other avenue. Jesus is offering this living water. This is the same living water he offered in John 4 to the woman at the well. If you knew who it was who said, give, come and give me a drink, I, I would have given you everlasting water. Water that will not let you thirst again. Living water. This is the, he's repeating this motion here. And, the, and this was said at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a, one of the feasts the Jews did where they would come from the temple. The priests in white gowns would come down with a special, um, some think a golden vase, and they would go to the living spring of Siloam where the pool of Siloam is, and they would dip and fill it with water, march back up in a processional to the tabernacle. And at the altar, they would pour this living water at the base of the altar on one side of it. And on the other side, they would pour wine. So from the tabernacle flew, uh, 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 came living water and living wine. Man, that sounds like someone I know. Pierced his side on the cross. What came out? Water and blood. Wine was always a symbol of blood. Water, always a symbol of the spirit. And Jesus is saying, I have this living water. Now, there's, there's always a perversion of, of something that's authentic. There's always a counterfeit of something that's authentic. You know, um, when they, um, dollar bills and $100 bills aren't as common now. We just use bank accounts and transfers and all this other stuff. But, you know, if you want to try to teach someone, and, you know, if the FBI is teaching someone how to identify a counterfeit bill, they don't study counterfeits. Do you know what they do? They study the real thing. They study $100 bills so that they know. So if they know exactly what the real thing is, anything that's even a smidgen off, they could recognize as counterfeit. So there's always a perversion. I, I think the world and Satan, he, Satan's not a creator. Jesus, God, he's a creator. He creates things. The devil perverts things. Everything we have, the devil tries to pervert. Sex is pure and holy and something God-given. Devil will pervert it. Try to make it uh, perverse and disgusting and get you hooked on things that your mind was never supposed to be hooked on. Money, prosperity, the devil will try to make that your God. Perverse that. I think that the devil will try to offer all these other options instead of the real thing. I've, I've experienced this just even literally. It's like, it's like, have you ever gone to the grocery store for milk? It's like, how many milk options can there be? It's like, I, I mean, I've, I've literally gone home with the wrong thing. It's like, no, you need uh, vitamin D whole milk. You know, because they added some, you know, extra vitamins. Then there's skim, there's 2%, there's 1%. And then there's all these other alternatives. You're like, whoa. I mean, I looked at, you know, I, I took Spanish for a few years. And, you know, I looked at, at, at uh, uh, the grocery store and I've seen, you know, like soy milk. 
I'm like, is it just trying to say I am milk in some sort of Spanglish way? Have you ever wondered that? Are you trying to trick me into thinking you're actually milk? So I am milk, soy milk, isn't that, I, you know, anyway. I don't know. I'm a dad, I got dad jokes for days, okay? For days. You can stop laughing, Jared. It's, um, but this, this is so funny because it's like, Jesus is this living water. And, it's, it, and when we drink from him, when we actually daily receive his presence, his spirit, out of our bellies, it's uncontrollable. And I, I've said this again, and I'll, say, I'll keep saying it until it gets into my heart and yours, is that we've never were made to be pawns. And too much the church has been built of people coming to the service, they get their taste. They get the, ooh, that was refreshing. It's kind of like, have you ever been to like one of those um, uh, splash pads where they have these sprays? It's like, you're not getting wet, but you're getting wet. It's kind of like, we get like, we get this essence of water. We're like, wow, that was really good. Uh, I, the worship was great. The, the word was great. I got tickled inside. It was, it was so good. And, and then we don't drink again. It's like, we were never, we, a, a pond is something where water comes in and never goes out. And any pond I've ever looked at, no matter how nice they try to make it around, if they don't keep that water flowing, it becomes stagnant, perverse, mucky. And as believers, as people who are in relationship with Jesus, and we receive the water of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, and we don't let it out in our lives, we become that pond. Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow out of our own innermost being, out of our bellies. What's that mean? What we receive, we give away. It's not enough to get to, to, to come to church and to, to hear these words, to get connected. Maybe the presence of God touches you and then you go home and you don't give it away and you're angry and things annoy you. And then you're starting to wonder about how you're going to take care of this, how you're going to get out of this situation. And you're, you're angry about this. You're, you're frustrated about this. And you haven't come to Jesus in that moment. You've just kind of did it on Sunday. It's like you're, you're welled upside. You know, the spirit of God in, in the Old Testament is called Ruach, means wind. Spirit of God in the New Testament is pneuma in Hebrew. I mean, in Greek, means wind. Wind, pneumatology, study of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think that as Christians, we're so frustrated because we receive the Spirit, we don't let them out, and we have some trapped wind. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. Can't, I'm, I'm on here. You can't take me off. It's done. It's done. Sorry, bud. What am I saying for real, though, is that, guys, and I, and I just, I don't want to berate the points. Like, come on, can't we, can't we go on from here? Can't we? Look, this encounter with Jesus, if it is true and authentic and, and you actually give him all of yourself, I'm not talking about part of yourself. I'm talking about you actually go, okay, God, 
I'll let you in here. I'll let you in there. I'll let you in. And we give all of ourselves to him. He will take it and fill all himself in us like we could even contain it, but we can't. And that's why the absolute result is that we give it away. He encounters the woman at the well. She can't help herself. She gives it away. She's like, I got to tell everyone who I just met. Have you ever, look, you know how you know people are in, um, you know how you know people are vegan? You know how you know people are in CrossFit? Do you know how you know any of those two things? They tell you. They tell you. You know why? Because they love it. They think it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's just in them. They're just like, man, I'm doing it. I love it. It just, it makes me feel good. It's great. It's amazing. Like, have you ever heard of CrossFit? And you're like, buddy, I, I get tired putting my pants on in the morning. All right. I am not about to go pull some, you know, weights until I die. Okay. You're nuts. You know, but listen, if we live, if we really, really and, I, and I'm not questioning your love for Jesus, but I'm just want to make you think. If we really have encountered the Christ who saved us and transformed us, and we really believe, we have to tell people. Not because it's an assignment, which it is. Not because it's like a, it's not, not just because that, but it's just because it's like a living river flowing out of your belly. I remember some guy telling me how he was, um, and minister, and he was angry, you know, it was like things weren't going his way, and he was having a tough day, and he's driving angrily, which is not really fun, but he's, he's driving in anger, and he's speeding, and he gets pulled over by the cop, and, and you know, he's a minister, he's ordained, and, and uh, you know, he's telling, uh, you know, the cop, like, man, I'm sorry, I just, I had such a bad day, I had this happen, this happen, that happen, and the cop, as he's giving him a ticket, he's like, you know, I bring everything to Jesus, it's like, bam. <laughs> All right. Isaiah 55, one through three. Ho. Oh. Which if it was like at a Heidi Baker conference, it'd be like, ho. Oh. Sorry. If you know, you know. All right. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Mm. And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear to come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. This is the prophetic calling that prophesies of Jesus. He's the bread that satisfies. He's the water that brings life. We first need to come. Verse in, in verse one, it's a come, come, come. Sometimes our bellies drive us so much. I mean, I've, I've allowed our physical, you know, when Jesus says out of your bellies or your innermost being flows living, rivers of living water, it's like some, some commentators commented on why bellies, you know, why, what, what is it about the belly? And, and they, they kind of had this 
thought that it's like the belly is like the object of flesh. You know, it's like we are driven by our bellies. Like, have you ever been really cool with someone and you're hanging out with them and they're fine and all of a sudden they get angry? You're like, what's wrong with you? They're not behaving who they, you know, the, the way they usually are. And you find out, oh, you just need something to eat. You're hangry. You're hungry and ang- you're hungry and just brought anger. And so now let me get, there's a Snickers commercial where it's like where the person turns into Betty White and they're angry and they give Betty White a Snickers and it and turns back into their friend. You know, it's like that happens sometimes. It's like I, I remember, you know, I, I've told my wife, uh, you know, there's been seasons in my life. I'll try to diet and do different things. And, and she'll say, I thought you're dieting as I'm like grabbing pizza. I'm like tomorrow. It's the tomorrow diet. It's like tomorrow I'll eat that way. And then tomorrow comes in. But of course, you know, I just say tomorrow diet. But our bellies is what naturally drives us. But Jesus is now saying, drink from the water I have and I will drive you. The spirit of God will lead you. He will, like we said in the first uh, Matthew 11, he will teach you. We can learn from him. We can walk step in step with him. And then, of course, Revelation twenty-two seventeen, this resounding word come keeps popping up. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. It's not that this water, this living water, this life was free. Actually, there was much cost paid. It's just free for us to receive. But you can't get it unless you hit that first step and come. So trivial. So simple. I have some great news for you guys. The gospel is simple. Come as you are. Do not wait until you think you're qualified. God gave me that word for someone this weekend. And I was like, you know, that was a good word. Don't you know, if God calls you, he qualifies you. He'll never, it'll never be the right time if you're going, well, I'll wait until I get that degree. I'll wait until I get that, you know, I'll wait until I get my life around. I'll wait until I get out of debt. I'll wait until that career ends. I'll wait till, it's like, just come. Give him your all. Don't just give him part of you. And watch the rivers of living water change your whole life as it flows out of your belly. Give it away. We have testimonies. I don't know if it's too late or you want to do some. Come on. Well, just come up real quick. If we can just do one or two testimonies. I want to honor the youth who had uh, outreach this week. They actually went throughout the whole city just sharing the love of Jesus with people. And it was fun hearing some of the stories because they were, um, you know, hesitant, a lot of them at first. And then God... God showed up in a big way. Go ahead. Okay, so hi, I'm Hannah, and um, this week was our youth outreach week. So we basically did community outreach every day of the week, and on Friday in particular, something really cool happened. So we were doing something called a prayer treasure hunt, which is basically before you go out into the community, you pray as a group and ask the Lord for a picture or a word to give him a to give us a hint of who we need to be praying for. So on Friday, someone in our group had the image of a woman in a fudge shop, like a candy shop, 
wearing multicolored clothing and who maybe struggled with abuse or substance abuse of some sort. So some of us went out and we found a fudge shop. We found a woman in there with multicolored clothing. She had some dental issues that looked like there might have been some substance abuse problems in the past. So we spoke to her. We found out that she was a Christian. She was willing to let us pray for her. And it was so cool to see how the Lord brought us right to that woman specifically, that she gave that person in our group that word. It was just so amazing to see that we prayed for her and she was super receptive and kind and it was just such a great experience. So, yeah. Come on. Hi, I'm Devin. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, Hannah just talked about the uh, treasure hunt and that's what we were doing one day. And I was with Bonnie and Hannah and who else were we? Were, yeah, we were with Maddie. Uh, we were with a group of people, and um, I had this other instance where I wa- I didn't talk to the group, and we all walked up to this woman all together and kind of freaked her out. So they, all three of them were already talking to a girl, and I mean, to, a, to two people, and so I just wanted to just walk around and like be by them for when they left, um, and so I was just walking around, and all of a sudden, I walked to a specific part. We were in Target, and I look, and all of a sudden, I have, like, deja vu from a dream that I had. And, like, I know that it was a dream that I had because I woke up thinking about it, like, why would I have a dream like that of me just standing in Target looking at a specific spot of Target? <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, I heard God say, I gave you that dream for a reason. And so I just sat there and I watched as people like walked around and all of a sudden I see this like mom with her kid and she's like rushing around and she's getting like bathing suits and stuff and God was like, I I want you to go up to her. And I've never done outreach like this before. So I was like, I don't know, (laughs) like I want to go up to her and I want to have the confidence but I'm scared. And so finally, I gathered the confidence, and I came up to her, and I was like, hi, I'm Devin, I'm an outreach and stuff, and I told her everything about it, and by the way, nothing, she had nothing on the list. It was just, I had, I just had a dream about talking to her, and so, and so I told her who I was, and I told her what we were doing, and I asked her if she needed prayer for anything, and she said no, but earlier on, uh, it was like the weirdest thing. Colleen was talking about how, like, sometimes we just talk to people and, you know, at that moment they don't need prayer, but they'll go home and they'll, like, lay down and they'll be like, why did that person want to pray for me? And I saw a vision of this exact woman laying in bed at home just crying and calling out to God. Come on. Sorry. I just, I've never experienced something like that. Um, Also, um, I got a word for somebody in here. Um, (laughs) 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 I don't know who it is, but... um, I feel like it's a man and um, their 40s are over. Um, and I just saw this picture 
of this person under this storm cloud and it's like it's like there's thunder and there's lightning going on and everything and all of a sudden like this like brightness engulfs this darkness and there's like a celebration I'm so emotional I'm sorry (laughs) there's a celebration of just heaven coming in and this picture of just something being so dark and so hard for this person is turning into this celebration for God and like a testimony I don't know if that speaks to anybody here but God just wants you to know that he's he he has a hand over what you're going through and he's going to lead you through it Amen. Amen so good Come on, it's amazing. So good. I want to invite you to stand. The Lord's here. I just want you to close your eyes, if you don't mind. No one will steal your wallet. We have a security team here. Okay? Close your eyes. Let the Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, I ask you just come right now. Just do what you need to do. I just want you to picture the face of Christ looking at you. Whatever that looks like. We don't know what Jesus actually looks like. Probably a Middle Eastern Jewish man. <laughs> but just however he shows himself to you. And I just want to ask you, while you're staring into the face of Christ, do you know him? Do you know more than just about him? Do you know him? When's the last time you talked to him and sat with him? When's the last time you walked hand in hand, step in step, and learned from him? He's more alive than he was 2,000 years ago because now the Spirit of God is with all of us and he is here. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to take the first step and come to you. Maybe it's been months since we've done that. Jesus, I pray that as we come to you, your spirit would continually pour out over us and that rivers would flow from our innermost being. We would feel the joy of knowing you.